You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Good evening. Well, it's good to be here. Um, while I open up here, turn in your Bibles to Joshua chapter 2. Um, I wanted to point out, though, last week, Pastor Jesse preached on what not to wear, and I find it very interesting tonight that he's wearing exactly what everybody told him to wear when he moved to South Dakota. He had his boots, the jeans tucked into his boots, and he had a, a vest on and everything. I was like, wow, he's really going with the South Dakota thing, but anyway, I just had to give him a hard time. Uh, so Joshua chapter 2, to give you a little context on what's happening here, um, Joshua was just given the command to take Israel into the promised land. He just took over for Moses, buried Moses, and now Israel is under the command of Joshua. And um, they sent spies in to get a little bit more understanding of what's going on here, and we will cover that here in a moment. But more interestingly is this chapter is a salvation message. So that's what we're going to talk tonight about. So stand with me as we read God's word, Joshua chapter 2, starting in verse 1. It says, And Joshua the son of Nun sent out Shittim, two men, to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, even Jericho. And when they went, they came into an harlot's house named Rahab and lodged there. And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, there came men hither tonight of the children of Israel to search out the country. And the king of Jericho sent unto Rahab, saying, Bring forth the men that are come to thee, which are entered into thine house, for they be come to search out all the country. And the woman took the two men and hid them and said thus, There came men unto me, but I wist not whence they were. And it came to pass about the time of shutting of the gate, when it was dark, that the men went out. Whither the men went, I wot not. Pursue after them quickly, for ye shall overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof of the house and hid them with the stalks of flax, which she had laid in order upon the roof. And the men pursued after them the way to Jordan unto the fords. And as soon as they which pursued after them were gone out, they shut the gate. And before they were laid down, she came up unto them upon the roof. And she said unto the men, I know that the Lord hath given you the land, and that your terror is fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you. When you came out of Egypt, and what ye did unto the two kings of the Amorites, that were on the other side of Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom ye utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard, heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God, even in heaven above and in earth beneath. Now therefore I pray you, swear unto, my, unto me by the Lord, since I have showed you kindness, that ye will show that you will also show kindness unto my father's house and give me a true token, and that ye will save alive my father and my mother and my brethren and my sisters and all that they have and deliver our lives from death. And the men answered her, Our lives for yours, if ye utter not this our business. And it shall be when the Lord hath given us the land that we will deal kindly and truly with thee. Then she let them down by a cord through the window, for her house was upon the town wall, and she dwelt upon the wall. And she said unto them, Get you to the mountain, lest the pursuers meet you, and hide yourselves there three days until the pursuers be returned. And afterward, may ye go your way. 
And the man said unto her, We will be blameless of this thine oath, which thou hast made us swear. Behold, when we come into the land, thou shalt bind this line of scarlet thread in the window which thou didst let us down by. And thou shalt bring thy father and thy mother and thy brethren and all thy father's household home unto thee. And it shall be that whosoever shall go out of the doors of thy house into the street, his blood shall be upon his head, and we will be guiltless. And whosoever shall be with thee in the house, his blood shall be on our head, if any, be, or if any hand be upon him. And if thou utter this our business, then we will be quit of thine oath, which thou hast made us to swear. And she said, According to your words, so be it. And she sent them away, and they departed, and she bound the scarlet line in the window. And they went and came unto the mountain and abode there three days until the pursuers were returned. And the pursuers sought them throughout all the way, but found them not. So the two men returned and descended from the mountain and passed over and came to Joshua, the son of Nun, and told him all things that befell them. And they said unto Joshua, Truly the Lord hath delivered into our hands all the land, for even all the inhabitants of the country do faint because of us. Let's pray. Lord. I'm thankful for your word. I'm thankful for your promises and how you always keep them. I thank you um, just to what you've done in my life and all the lives that I've encountered, Lord, just seeing all the promises that you fulfill. You never change, Lord, and I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for how your salvation message started all the way back in Genesis, and we can read through the entire Bible and get to understand who you are and why you sent your son for us. I pray tonight that if there's anybody that's not saved, Lord, that they come to you and take care of things tonight because we don't know how much time we have. I pray that you make our hearts sensitive. I pray that those of us that are saved, that we have a yearning to, to preach your word and to share the gospel to others because our time is short on this world. Lord, I just pray for your, your wisdom and your, your heart to be spoken through me. Um, Lord, I, I can only say so much in, in the words that you've given me, but Lord, I just pray that you move through this crowd tonight and you speak to their hearts personally. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You can be seated. Um, I'm going to try to honor time tonight because I thought I had a little bit more time, so bear with me if I rush. But um, archaeologists have done a great deal of research at Jericho. It's very interesting what they found. They tell us the city covered about eight acres with inner and outer walls surrounding the city. The inner wall was 12 feet thick the outer wall six feet thick, and there were houses upon the wall. We know this because in verse 15, it says she dwelt upon the wall. The wall stood about 30 feet high, and excavations show that these walls were violently destroyed. It wasn't through time that they fell apart. It wasn't corrosion. It wasn't anything other than what we will find out as we read the book. In chapter 6, we see what happens, but it was a violent destruction. But even more interesting, we see what happens to her house. Of the many people, though, who lived in Jericho, we really only know the name of one person. It was Rahab. Isn't that interesting? This chapter centers not on the spies or Joshua himself, even though this is all about their conquest to move into the promise that God had given them. No, this chapter is about Rahab, the prostitute. And the word prostitute here, or harlot, that Greek word is porneia which is where we get the word porno from, or pornography. So her sin was not a simple one. The, when we talked a little bit about this earlier, it's a horrible thing. But this chapter focuses on her. She demonstrates for us the wisdom and value of choosing faith and acting upon the choice. Her reward was enormous. Hebrews 11.31 says about her, By faith the harlot Rahab perished not, 
with them that believed not, when she had received the spies with peace. James 2.25 says, Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way. She's a picture of a, for us of the spiritual history of the believer in Jesus Christ. She has a pattern for us to, to see. First of all, letter A, she was a sinner. Yep. I want to start off letting you know, yes, she was a sinner, but there is no situation that we will come across that God cannot save us from or pull us out of. There's no place that God cannot lift us out of. He promises us that. And, th and there's no person that does not have the opportunity to hear God's word and to be saved Good. and to trust in Jesus Christ. No situation, no place, and no person that is not out of the reach of God. Amen. He's everywhere. Hallelujah. In the case of Rahab, the sin that she was dealing with, dealing with was moral impurity. And according to the Bible... Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short or come short of the glory of God. Amen. That means every single person on this planet falls short. Yep. Some of us think and come from backgrounds where works is what it takes, but if you really are honest with yourself, look at the checklist of the requirements that God gives us in the book, the Old Testament, the laws he put in place to show that we can't come close. Mm -hmm. You might hit nine, but there's that one still that you're just not coming close on. We'll never come close, but God gives us an answer. Rahab, she was a harlot, but she also managed an inn. Think about the opportunities she, she, the opportunities she had to do both. And it wasn't uncommon in the time. So that's why we see her being used in this situation. They found a place of rest to come to, and it was Rahab. B, she was under condemnation. That speaks to us. Yep. Rahab's city had already been declared condemned by God. It was just a matter of time before the sentence of death was coming, Amen. and it would be executed. Everything and everyone in the city would be destroyed, whether the people felt condemned or not. Good. That's us. Whether we feel condemned or not, we will be destroyed if we choose to ignore what God is offering us. Joshua 6.21 says, And they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man and woman, young and old, and ox and sheep and ass and the, by the edge of the sword. Nobody survived it besides Rahab. Jericho is a picture of the condemned world today. The people could not feel confident and peaceful because they knew death was coming. That's what we need to realize. If we're not saved tonight, and I can't possibly know your heart, it's between you and God. If you're not saved tonight, there's no guarantee of tomorrow. There's no guarantee. Proverbs 27.1 says, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. You have no idea if you're making it home tonight. You have no idea if you're making it through tomorrow. You cannot say, I know my sins are bad, but I can wait until tomorrow to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. You don't know that. It could be too late tonight. Jesus was given, or sorry, Rahab was given a grace period, though. We may not know for sure, but sometimes God gives us chance after chance after chance to hear because he sent Jesus into the world that we wouldn't perish. He wants us not to perish. He gives us opportunities. The city here, Jericho, had been set aside for judgment for many years. And if this pictures our lives as unsaved people, God's, he has a, a point in time where it's too late. The city was set for judgment. Deuteronomy 7, 1 through 5 says, When the Lord thy God shall bring thee into the land, 
whither thou goest to possess it, and hath cast out many nations before thee, the Hittites, and the Girgashites, and the Amorites, and the Canaanites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than thou. And when the Lord thy God shall deliver them before thee, thou shalt smite them and utterly destroy them. Thou shalt make no covenant with them, nor show mercy unto them. Neither shalt thou make marriages with them. Thy daughter thou shalt not give unto his son, nor his daughter shalt thou take unto thy son. For they will turn away thy son from following me, that they may serve other gods. So with the anger of the Lord be kindled against you, and destroy thee suddenly. But thus shall ye deal with them. Ye shall destroy their altars, and break down their images, and cut down their groves, and burn their graven images with fire. When we get saved, this is a warning to us. When we get saved, there are still things in our lives. They went into this promised land with the intent to get rid of all the problems that God did not want to hinder them later. So he, they were told, destroy it. And if you read the book of Joshua, you find out there was still some things left over, and Joshua warns about that in the end. But God doesn't want things remaining. Deuteronomy 7, 23 and 24 says, But the Lord thy God shall deliver them unto thee, and shall destroy them with a mighty destruction, until they be destroyed. And, they, and he shall deliver their kings into thine hand, and thou shalt destroy their name under the heaven. There shall no man be able to stand before thee until thou have destroyed them. The sins in our lives, the problems that we have in our lives, God will take care of them. He will destroy them. Nothing can stand against God. That includes the sins that we're dealing with. If we're unsaved and you're worried that God can't handle what you have, he will handle it. Deuteronomy 12, 2 through 3 says, Ye shall utterly destroy all the places wherein the nations which ye shall possess serve their gods upon the high mountains and upon the hills and, and under every green tree, and ye shall overthrow their altars and break their pillars, burn their groves with fire, and ye shall hew down the graven images of their gods and destroy the names of them out of that place. That tells me right there that he, will he wants it destroyed, but he wants the hidden things destroyed too. Don't leave it hidden. Find people that, that you can talk to. Men, find men you can go to and, and just voice the problems and pray about it. Prayer is powerful. Amen. Women do the same thing. You're not alone. Genesis 15, 13 through 16 reminds us that God waited 400 years before he permitted judgment to come. It says, And he said unto Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them 400 years. That's Egypt. <clears throat> but as we read, And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge, and afterward shall they come out with great substance, and thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace. Thou shalt be buried, buried in a good old age. But in the fourth generation they shall come hither again, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. So he said, you'll be slaves for 400 years, but then there'll be four generations before you come to the next section. God already knew, so he was giving them grace, a chance at Jericho to, to right. believe God. Rahab and all the other residents of Jericho had heard about the exodus from Egypt, right. which had taken place 40 years before. Joshua 4:19 and 5:10 add other days of waiting leading up to the additional week that Israel marched around the city. They had seen God's people around the city seven days. That was still more grace from God, right. saying, you have a chance here. All it takes is your surrender. God's patient. More than we deserve. Amen. But don't test his patience. It could be too late. Yeah. Letter D, she heard the word of God. Like I said, there's nobody that doesn't have a chance. Mm -hmm. She had a chance and she accepted it. 
It was a message of judgment that Rahab heard, but it introduced to her the true God. Note how she calls God the Lord in her conversation. Verse 9, And she said unto the men, I know that the Lord hath given you the land. Verse 10, For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you. She recognized who God really was. That those full cap letter L-O-R-D, that's Yahweh. She recognized this God as the God of all gods. This is the true God. She recognized that. She believed the word letter E. Faith, this quote I found, I find very applicable because it's all about our faith and, and what we believe in. Faith is more than thinking something is true. Faith is thinking something is true to the extent that we act on it. I was going to use this chair as an illustration. You've seen Jesse do it many times, I'm sure, but we can believe all day that the chair will hold us up, but we have to act on that faith. We have to accept Jesus' promise and his gift to us. We can't just say, I believe Jesus died on the cross and, and rose again. You have to understand it and truly believe it Amen. and accept that gift. Romans 10, 17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It is faith that saves the sinner, even the most ungodly. Romans 4, 5 says, But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. How can we possibly believe if we don't hear? And it has to be the word of God. Right. So for those of us who are saved and know somebody that's not, how are they going to possibly believe? We can pray all day, but if we don't actually tell them the word of God, how will they know? We are told in Hebrews 11.31 that Rahab was saved by faith. It said, By faith the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not. Amen. When she had received the spies with peace, she heard the word of God, she believed it, and she acted on it. Right. Her assurance came from the word. Amen. Look at verse 9. And she said unto them, I know that the Lord hath given you the land. She believed it. Right. She had seen what had happened. She, all the word that she had brought to, to, the, to the town of Jericho, she believed it. Amen. She believed his power and understood it and understood what that meant for her. God's coming for me yeah. and my family. So letter F, she proved her faith by works. The fact that she risked her life to receive, hide, and protect the spies is proof that Rahab trusted God. Because if they had found out, she would have been killed for it. She identified herself with God's people, not with the heathen around her. That's a turning point. That shows us that she truly believed. Now she was willing to stand against the people around her, against the world, to say, I believe what God's saying here. James 2.25 says, Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way? In other words, we understood her faith because of what she did here. Letter G she sought to win others. Think of the risk Rahab was taking in sharing the word with her family. They could have turned her in. Yeah. That's scary. Some of us are praying for our families right now. Going to them with the word of God is scary, especially in that, in that city. When people trust Christ, their first desire will to be sh to share it with others, especially their family. We look in at what happened with Peter and how he heard. John 1, 35-42 says that again the next day after John the Baptist, this is John the Baptist, stood and two of his disciples, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and saw them following, and saith unto them, What seek ye? 
They said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted master, well, where dwellest thou? He saith unto them, Come and see. They came and saw where he dwelt, and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother Simon. So he heard Jesus, believed this was the Messiah, and the first response was, i got to go tell my brother. <laughs> Who then turned out to be the cornerstone of, that, that Jesus built upon. He became the leader of the apostles, if you remember the, the apostle lessons that we went through. He saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, now look at this very closely. This tells you that God knows you personally before you come to him. Amen. When Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is being interpreted as stone. He never met Simon, but he knew who he was, and he already had a purpose for him. Otherwise, he wouldn't have given him a new name and called him a stone. Mark 5, 18 through 20 says, And when he was come into the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends, and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee, and hath compassion on thee. And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him, and all men did marvel. We need to be shouting it. We need to be telling people about it. We need to not be scared because Jesus' power is behind us when we go. All of God's armies and power is behind us when we talk to somebody about Jesus. And the Spirit is the one who's in control of it, not us. We might think we failed and walk away and find out that they got saved and then they saved millions. That's all God. It's His power, not ours. So we need to let God take care of it when He tells us to go. Letter H, she was delivered from judgment. When we get saved, that's what, we, what happens to us. We're delivered from that judgment. Amen. There was a twofold judgment on the city. First, shaking that destroyed the city. When we got saved, or right on the verge of being saved, do you remember how shook up we were and broken we were in, in realizing the, the depth of our sin? I, I imagine that the picture of, of the, the entire city being shaken it's just a picture of me being shaken. It's just a matter of whether we choose to believe what God says or not. Right. So the, the city was shaken and destroyed. Then the fire that destroyed all its contents. God burned it up. Yeah. Rahab's house was on the wall, we see in Joshua 15. But that section of the wall, interestingly enough, didn't fall. Yeah. <laughs> That's not just coincidence. That's God again saying, I'm going to protect your house. Because I said I would. Amen. And that scarlet thread that was hanging out there, symbol of Jesus' blood, I'm going to walk right past this right now because you believe me. It says in verse 15, Then she let, down, she let them down by a cord through the window, for her house was upon the wall, and that cord, that was that red scarlet cord. After Rahab and her loved ones were taken from her house, Joshua commanded the rest of the city to be destroyed with fire. Rahab and her family may have been troubled when things began to shake, but they were safe in the hands of God. So if they choose, if we choose if, to go to God, no matter how crazy it gets around us, we have his protection. Amen. Joshua 6, 22 through 25 says, But Joshua had said unto the two men that had spied out the country, Go into the harlot's house and bring out thence the woman and all that she hath, as ye swear unto her. And the young men that were spies went in and brought out Rahab and her father and her mother and her brethren and all that she had just like they promised. When the Bible repeats something, just pay attention to that because that's a list 
and then confirmation of what happened with that list. Okay? All that she had. And they brought out all her kindred and left them without the camp of Israel. In other words, outside that camp. And they burnt the city with fire and all that was therein, only the silver and the gold and the vessels of brass and of iron they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. And Joshua saved Rahab the harlot alive and her father's household and all that she had and she, and she dwell, dwelleth in Israel even unto this day because she hid in, in the messengers which Joshua sent out to spy Jericho. Christians today see the world shaking all about them, but they cannot be sure God will, or sorry, they can be sure God will rescue them before he sends his fiery judgment on the world. I, I just look at the situation in the world today, and the world's shaking with fear. But God will save them from it. Why do you think he's waiting so stinking long? <laughs> we get impatient wishing the end would come sooner, but he's still waiting because there's more to be saved. 1 Thessalonians 1.10 says, And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. And 1 Thessalonians 5.9 says, For God hath not appointed us to wrath, that's not his plan, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Right. Why do you think Genesis chapter 3, he gives us the, the answer right there. Satan tried to spoil God's plans, but he's like, well, I'll send my son and I'll, I'll hurt you. He's going to come, and he's going to make a way, and he's going to save people and bring them back to me. Let her eye, she went to a wedding. In Matthew 1.5, we find Rahab included by marriage in the Jewish nation and named an ancestress to the Messiah. How crazy is that? This horrible city that God wants to destroy, God plucks out this prostitute, and if you look at the lineage of Jesus Christ, it's nothing but thieves and liars and adulteresses and adulterers and, and prostitutes. I mean, you go down the line, it's all horrible because God gives people chances. He pulls them out of it. That's you. If you don't know Jesus Christ, that's you. You don't know what God has planned for you or for your kids or for your kids' kids and so on. God could do something amazing with your family. While the people of Jericho suffered death, we see in Revelations chapter 17 and 19 that Rahab and her family were to, were to enjoy a marriage feast. Rahab was saved by faith, not by character or by religious works. It wasn't something she did. When she had faith, she acted on the faith. Right. It wasn't the fact that she hid them that she got saved. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and not that of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. The second we have any reason to boast, we've lost sight of God. God is the reason that we get saved. Jesus is the one we need to recognize, and there's nothing we can do. We fall short every time. So if it was up to me, I would never would have made it. Right. I'm thankful for that. And this is, this is the only way God saves people. Yep. There's no alternative. Good. If somebody could come play softly and... Um, and if the, the altar's open, if, if you want to come at any point now. But I have a question for you. Have you trusted Jesus as Rahab trusted Joshua? Be honest with yourself. Do you know for sure heaven's your home? Because if you don't, you don't know when, when it's too late. We need to, number one, we need to realize that God loves us. John 3.16 confirms that for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, that means anybody, 
not just a select few, but whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Number two, we realize that everyone is a sinner. Romans 3.21, or 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. We need to realize, number three, that sin has a price that must be paid. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages, in other words, the cost of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We need to realize that Jesus Christ died to pay for that wage of sin. Romans 5.8 says, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Finally, we need to repent of our sin. We need to ask Jesus Christ to forgive us so that we may receive eternal life. If you haven't done that yet, I, I, I beg you, before it's too late, find someone tonight that you can come to. You can come to the altar and pray. Someone will come pray alongside you. Or afterward, if, if you're, you're too, too nervous to come to the altar, find someone before you leave. We have people that want to pray with you. Romans 10.9 says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and thou shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That is a guarantee. In verse 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Would you call on him tonight? If you're saved, pray for those around us. Pray for your families. Pray for courage to have an opportunity and to act on that opportunity to share the gospel and to reach out. If you're sitting in your chair right now and, and you're hesitant to come, God's begging you to come. Step out in faith and just come to him. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your promises and how you always keep them. I pray that you work in everybody's hearts tonight. And if there's anybody online that's listening, Lord, I pray you work in their hearts as well. And Lord, I pray for salvation tonight and your will to be done. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.